You're listening to the Modern Vital Podcast, which explores the relationship between environmental factors and human health. Here is your host, Dr. Ben Reeves, founder of Portland Clinic of Natural Health and creator of the Modern Vital Program, a 90-day health protocol customized to each individual health journey. Stay tuned for fun, practical, and thought-provoking health tips, along with suggestions and insights into optimizing health and preventing chronic disease through integrative, naturopathic, and functional medicine approaches. Your body is unique, powerful, and intelligent. Your treatment should be too. On today's episode of the Modern Vital Podcast, we're going to talk about reverse T3. Is it a myth? Is it important in the diagnosis and treatment of thyroid disease? Our modern vital fact of the day is that the thyroid is the only known organ in the body that can absorb and use iodine, which is a crucial mineral required for the production of thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone is key to the regulation of metabolism, growth, and development. Even when the diet is deficient in iodine, unlike diets which contain a lot of seaweed, for example, the thyroid can still absorb and concentrate iodine from the bloodstream. Interestingly, iodine is the key mineral in the conversion of T4 to T3, as T4 simply means that there are four atoms of iodine attached, and then one is cleaved with the help of an enzyme called a deiodinase. Then T4 becomes T3, and this happens from outside the cell to within the cell. T4 is converted to T3. There are four types of of deiodinases, D1, D2, D3, D4. D2 is the main deiodinase enzyme actively involved in converting T4 to T3, and D3 is actively involved in converting T4 to reverse T3. Which brings us to our topic du jour, the myth of reverse T3. Is it necessary to run reverse T3, also known as RT3? Our thyroid gland is incredibly sensitive. I think of it as like a butterfly-shaped antenna, which is picking up all the signals of oxidative stress and inflammation throughout our body and relaying these messages back to our brain so as to make any refinements necessary to metabolism. Hence, when the thyroid becomes imbalanced, we need to assess the body for oxidative stress, inflammatory markers, etc., so as to potentially identify the root cause or causes of the thyroid imbalance in the first place. Causes such as chronic infection like mold or Epstein-Barr, nutrient deficiencies like iron, selenium, stress, insomnia, much more. Approximately 5% of those in the U.S. have hypothyroidism, which is over 15 million people. The thyroid gland is the metabolic director of the body. A typical thyroid blood test involves just one or two markers, a TSH and maybe a free T4. Oftentimes, the TSH is ordered with a reflex to free T4, meaning that if the TSH results are abnormal, then the free T4 will be ordered. But naturopathic doctors and other integrative medicine specialists like to order a full complement or a full thyroid panel, which includes TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and also thyroid antibodies like TG and TPO antibodies. So there's a lot of talk about reverse T3 and whether it's important or not. Many studies do not appear to indicate that it is necessary to run in most cases. But I am going to posit that the reason this is so is because a root cause approach is not usually the kind of approach 
evidence-based researchers are taking because it's very difficult to put together a randomized controlled trial proving that reverse T3 is worth running when the root causes throwing reverse T3 off vary so widely. What I mean to say is that reverse T3 can give the skilled practitioner information in the light of the individual case, but without knowing the case, it may not be helpful and probably isn't. It gives us a lot of information about that person's thyroid and in particular about their health and life in the context of all the variables that make up their picture. So a quick summary, TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's released by the anterior pituitary gland in the brain. It sends a signal immediately to the thyroid gland, telling it how much thyroid to make. The thyroid gland makes free T3 and free T4, but only about 10 to 20% of the body's free T3 is actually made there. This is the active thyroid hormone made in the thyroid gland. The rest is converted from free T4 in the peripheral tissues, such as the liver, the gut, the kidneys, etc. And this is another reason why things like liver inflammation or gut issues like intestinal permeability can potentially significantly impact thyroid metabolism and function because so much conversion takes place in those tissues of free T4 to free T3. In other words, if the body is having a hard time with conversion, then symptoms will ensue. Symptoms such as brain fog, fatigue, depression, constipation, etc., etc. Of course, these are more symptoms of hypothyroidism. By the way, some nutrients associated with improved conversion of free T4 to free T3 include selenium, zinc, iodine, of course, B2, which is riboflavin, B3, which is niacin, B6, which is pyridoxine, and even the herb ashwagandha. Iron is another important nutrient that plays a significant role in conversion. The fact is about 80% of the body's free T4 is converted to free T3, and maybe 20% or so, studies differ on what this amount actually is, but let's call it 20% or one-fifth, is converted to a kind of storage form called reverse T3. Now, I don't like calling it a storage form necessarily because it's not really converted back to, to uh, free T3. A key point, though, is that our body needs reverse T3 as well. We just don't know very much about it. Now, some things that can drive up reverse T3 include physical and emotional stress, low cortisol, chronic infections, eating disorders, starvation, Graves' disease, nutrient deficiencies, and much more. Thus, if I suspect that my patient is low in glutathione, or let's say that I've tested their glutathione levels and found that they are low. Now remember, glutathione is the body's most important antioxidant. Glutathione is a selenium-dependent antioxidant. In other words, it depends on the mineral selenium in order to be made in the body. Now, I may then suspect that my patient is also selenium deficient if they're glutathione deficient. And we do know that selenium deficiency can be a root cause of high reverse T3. This association, and I would posit that it's also a causation, has been confirmed by studies. My point is that testing comprehensive thyroid labs is a root cause approach. I like to think of reverse T3 as like a nut that a squirrel stores away for the winter particularly when the squirrel thinks that the winter is going to be long and hard, and then the nut never gets used. By storing away the nut, the body ensures that the free T4 that is then converted to reverse T3 will not be used by the body. The nut will not be used to make energy, even though it is stored. 
I have not found studies showing that reverse T3 can be converted back to T3. It doesn't take much digging to find hundreds of practitioners, particularly functional medicine practitioners, integrative medicine practitioners, naturopathic practitioners, stating that reverse T3 can turn off thyroid receptors by binding to them, and thereby they can block T3 or the active thyroid hormone from having an action on those receptors. Just a quick review. T3 is the active form of thyroid hormone, and hormones have their action in the nuclei of our cells where they can trigger gene transcription and translation, turning on and off genes, and then eventually having proteins being manufactured in the cells. T3 makes its way into our cellular nuclei and then interacts with thyroid hormone receptors there. However, after combing through the research and the literature, I can't find studies confirming that reverse T3 can actually get into the nuclei of our cells and block those thyroid receptors. Now, somebody can try to prove me wrong, but I cannot with confidence agree that reverse T3 blocks thyroid receptors if I can't find literature proving that it is so. It does make sense because the reverse T3 is like the mirror image of T3, and so it could actually fit right into that receptor, yet not have an action. However, I can't find evidence that reverse T3 is actually in the nuclei of our cells. It may happen by some other unknown mechanism indirectly or from upstream. It seems to be that people who are not clinicians, but rather researchers and scientists, are saying not to test to reverse T3. It's not important. And then most integrated medicine practitioners are saying, hey, it's a really good idea in many cases to test reverse T3 as part of a comprehensive thyroid panel. I happen to fall more in the latter category, but I disagree with these clinicians in that in saying that reverse T3 blocks thyroid receptors because I can't find that evidence. It may be so, but we don't actually have the evidence. So why say it if we actually don't have the evidence yet? We could say that we suspect it. We do know that reverse T3 appears to be associated with states where metabolism is greatly slowed down. Since thyroid hormone is the metabolic director of the body, interestingly, hibernating bears have been shown to have low reverse T3, which speaks to a role that it may be playing in downregulating metabolism. It has even been referred to as the hibernation hormone. Ironically, in states of starvation, though, in humans, reverse T3 usually will climb. Now, one other point that I want to bring up is important. The ratio of T3 to reverse T3 is associated with insulin resistance. Of course, it's an association, not necessarily a causation, but it does show a metabolic link between our insulin receptors being resistant to insulin's directive to push that blood sugar into our cells and thyroid metabolism. Some doctors suggest that we want to see a ratio above 10. In other words, we want to see above 10 parts T3 to one part reverse T3 in the blood. I think that's a little bit high, but I do think that there's a lot to be said for this. And studies do support it. They support the link and the association. The point is that we want to monitor the ratio. And some doctors refer to a ratio below 10 as consistent with reverse T3 syndrome. That's not really that helpful either because syndrome just means a bucket in which we dump a bunch of symptoms or findings. It doesn't really explain a root cause. The moral of the story is we don't want reverse T3 or this ratio in particular to be too high or too low. And we want to assess what might be causing it to be off when it's off. What's my overall point? My point is that the thyroid is incredibly sensitive to environmental factors, and testing reverse T3 is an important part of a comprehensive hormone panel, particularly with regard to a holistic root cause approach to each individual. That concludes episode six of the Modern Vital Podcast. 
As always, we would love to hear from you. We value your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions, please reach out to me at ben at modernvital.com. Also, please leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to having you join us next week for another exciting episode of the Modern Vital Podcast. Thank you.